You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. So today we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we might be adding in a couple other things because uh, this isn't really taking, I don't think it's going to take quite as long as the last time we did this because there was a lot more to cover as far as salary cap and just kind of getting to know the team in general. And since I'm not doing top to bottom roster, we're not doing top to bottom uh, salary cap. We're not talking about, you know, future salary cap. It's really just a matter of what changes have they made and what can we deduce, um, you know, as far as where's the team at in, in the draft and all that kind of stuff. There's a little bit more to talk about as far as the Vikings draft because they actually have draft picks, unlike the Bears. But uh, with that said, I want to talk about the Vikings and then maybe move on to some other stuff. Anyways, uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, getting some of the reviews in. I know you guys have been sending them over because you want to be in the PFF giveaway. So thank you guys for doing that. Just a quick recap for those that haven't heard. I am trying to get the reviews for the show up a little bit. So if you have iTunes, or Stitcher for that matter, if you don't have iTunes and you like to use Stitcher, you can do that. But if you leave a five-star review for me, um, be sure to send me over that information that you did that. I will add you to a list. And if and when iTunes gets up to 200 uh, reviews, I'm going to be giving away the PFF Edge subscription. Uh, we are definitely not going to get there before the draft, so you won't have the... Tw- well, you will. They'll... they'll re- oh, no, you won't. I think that's only for elite lit, uh, people. Only for the elite people. It's just the name of the subscription. Anyways, you'll have the entire 2019 season, all the PFF grades, as well as the 2020 scouting reports, um, which they use for Edge uh, subscribers. So anyways, be sure to send that over to me, and again, thank you guys for getting those in. Also, if we get to 150... Um, the plan is to do a live stream. It's not looking like that's going to happen, but, you know, whatever. Either way, thank you guys for doing that. Also, I've mentioned on Patreon, first of all, thank you guys that are doing that so very much for supporting the show. But the uh, positional list that I've been kind of doing just for fun and kind of goofing around, it's just kind of coming together and becoming a little bit more serious. So basically what I did is I took one small step. I'm not going to make that joke. But I tweaked it a little bit so that I can correlate the different positions. The reason I did that, why do I want to compare quarterbacks to running backs? So I can make a big board. So that's what I did, and I'm really excited about it. Again, it's not perfect. It's, you know, I started way too late for it to be perfect. And by next year, this is going to be pretty awesome because I have an idea of how to make it much better. But now I have an actual big board with 342 prospects, I think. And then it's just an Excel sheet, so at the bottom with the little sheets, you know, it's got whatever. You can click on the different positions, and it ranks the players by position, as well as has a ton of really in-depth stats. Some of them are PFF grades, some of them are advanced stats that you're just not going to get anywhere else outside of the PFF subscription, which if you don't have, would be kind of cool. I mean, if you want to pay for a PFF subscription, you can get it, or you can give me a buck a month. You get the entire list. You get the entire breakdown, the entire big board, and uh, all the positional breakdowns, including advanced stats, again, for a buck a month. Just throwing it out there. Either way, pretty excited about it. Was not at all planning on doing that, but there you have it. What else? NFLBigBoard.com It's another big board. Be sure to get in the Facebook group. That's been growing quite a bit over the last several days. I'm getting a lot of requests to join that, so welcome to all the new members. Lastly, if you'd like to call in, 608-501-0718, text or call for any questions, any comments, 608-501-0718. I am trying to slowly increase the volume of the podcast itself, although I would rather we just lower the volume of the advertisements. The recommendation was to raise the volume of the podcast. I don't know. I'm going to bring it up a little bit. I don't want it to just blast your head off day one. Like, how does this sound, you guys? 
but we'll see if we can kind of balance it out a little bit. If it's a little bit louder and you just kind of turn the volume down in general and then the ad comes on, it's not going to destroy your ears. I don't know, man. We're working on it. But anyways, we're going to take a little break and uh, we'll come back in a second. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so first of all, um, the Minnesota Vikings... The salary cap issue finally came to a head. I've, I've mentioned before, my predictions seem to be one year premature. I don't know why that keeps happening, but it just does. Uh, last year, I said the, Vi- the Miami Dolphins aren't even going to win a game. They won a lot more than I expected. And now this year, everyone's like, oh, man, the Vikings aren't, or the, <laughs> the Dolphins, I don't even know how they're going to win. You know, it's just, that's just how it goes. Uh, so last year, I said the Vikings aren't going to have any salary cap space. And Vikings fans destroyed me. And they're like, haha, look at all the money we got. Well, now they're out. So they were able to resign quite a few of their people, people that they I didn't expect them to be able to resign. But as of right now, they have like $2 million, which is not good. They need more than $2 million. They got to do something. I don't know exactly what. Um, on top of that, these are all their free agents that they didn't resign, whether they're with another team or not. Actually, well, it doesn't look like this is updated. Anyway, Sheldon Richardson is gone. Mike Remmers, their right guard, is gone. Andrew Sandejo did sign with somebody, I forget who. Latavius Murray, Nick Easton, their center. Uh, Marcus Sherrill's their cornerback. Tom Johnson, Tom Compton, George Iloka. Aldrick Robinson, Trevor Simeon, John Stanton, Cedric Lang, Josiah Price. So there's some talent there. Quite a bit in some areas that uh, were needed, so... You know, listen, Vikings fans are going to say there's no problem with the salary cap, but they wanted a lot of these guys. And to be completely honest, I don't think signing Barr was a smart decision, but they decided to do it anyways. That's one of those things where the Packers look at it, and he's gone in a second. Well, I shouldn't say that. Barr is relatively young, but for the most part, the Packers seem to be much better at saying, we can't afford you, and you're not worth the money, so you're gone. Barr, I don't think, is worth the money. They should have let him walk. Granted, the team is better with him than without him. But I, whatever, I'm, I'm sort of glad that they resigned him. Sendejo is an eagle, that's what he is. But I mean, that stuff's going to hurt. You know, and, and Nick Easton not being all that great, the, the fact of the matter is this offensive line is struggling. And Pat, Elf, Pat Elfline, again, another really, expected to be a really top-tier early second-round guy that was taken as an interior offensive lineman, complete and utter trash. I'll let you know when I find one that's good. Haven't hap- it hasn't happened yet. But, I mean, he was garbage. Maybe he's going to take a step, just like all these guys, like uh, Forrest Lamp and all the rest of these guys. Maybe they'll take a step and become pretty dominant, but I'm just not seeing it. But that leaves their offensive line in a bit of a pinch. Um, he is the worst in a group of really not talented offensive linemen. Losing Sheldon Richardson in the middle of that defense, um, although it's probably the best decision, especially for a cash-strapped team, um, but that, I mean, that hurts. Sheldon Richardson is a really good football player. It's a team that, um, primarily is, is expecting to be dominant on defense. Their head coach is a defensive coordinator. They're similar to the Bears in that regard, although they do have a really pretty talented offense as well. It's still, I mean, it, the identity of the team is that defense is a smash mouth, hit you right in the throat, tough kind of defense. And you lose a guy like Sheldon Richardson up front. It, it just doesn't have a really good feel to it. You know, you, you lose him. 
Linval Joseph already had, you know, according to PFF, his worst year since 2014. You, you lose the guy next to him, that's not going to help. Everson Griffin had his meltdown last year, so that's not a great thing, as much as they might like to have him back. Fact of the matter is, Everson Griffin really just had one good year in 2017. And like I said, there's that whole recency bias. Everybody freaks out, like, oh, Everson Griffin's a freak. Dude, he was a, a mediocre player for like eight years, and then he had one dominant year. And that was the year the Vikings were just freaks. Which, by the way, this is exactly what I was talking about with the Bears' defense yesterday when I said, just because everybody's freaking out because of how dominant they are, Akeem Hicks is one of the best. Well, listen, when I say Kenny Clark is one of the best, it's because he's been dominant for quite a while now and continues to get better. Hicks was decent for a long time, then had one freakish year. Let's just wait and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, to be completely honest, and I, I, I know it sounds biased, but I'm just not super scared of this front. Daniil Hunter is a good football player. Everson Griffin can be a good football player. But if you look at them based on what they do well, this isn't a really... And I, I kind of said this before, and I got laughed at by Bears fans. I don't know if there's a front that's better at getting after the quarterback than the Packers. And the fact of the matter is the Packers are one of the best at it last year. Everybody just got hurt. And that's with no outside uh, outside linebacker help. The only pressure that was generated was things that Mike Pettin dialed up, like blitzes from inside linebackers, corners, and safeties, and then interior pass rush pressure from Mike Daniels, from Kenny Clark, from Muhammad Wilkerson, and an occasional you know, flash from the guys on the outside, primarily Clay Matthews. We were decent at it last year before everybody got hurt. Bring Mike Daniels back for a full year. Bring Kenny Clark in there for a full year because he was hurt too. Add in two guys that are good pass. I mean, look, Khalil Mack is probably the best, or is, is easily the best pass rusher in the NFC North. After that, I think it's just a list of Packers. It's Kenny Clark. It's Mike Daniels. It's Zadarius Smith. It's Preston Smith. You know, Linval Joseph is probably above Preston, okay. But then it's Preston, and then it's Kyler, and then it's, you know, it's just... People laugh because it's like, all oh, the Packers are just a joke. Again, recency bias. Well, everybody knows for the last however many years, the Packers' defense just isn't good. So when a Packers podcaster says, well, I think we're better than you, it's like, oh, sure, you're just... It's like, dude, I'm just... Look, it sounds weird to say. Granted, it's like this weird thing in my mouth. Like, this doesn't taste right. It sounds weird coming out, like my mouth just wants to, like, clamp up. Like, nope, don't say that. That's not correct information. Check your numbers again. But it's just, it's just information. Again, I went through the percentages. And percentages is just pretty basic math. What percentage of the time when you're trying to pressure the quarterback do you pressure the quarterback? The fact of the matter is, you know, the, the Vikings have Daniil Hunter, and he's really, really good. The Bears have Khalil Mack, and he's really, really good. The, um... The Lions now have Trey Flowers, and he's really good. And the fact of the matter is those three guys might be better than any um, outside linebacker that we have, which is also why I think it's possible we still get a edge rusher that's just a pure passer, you know, get a, a Brian Burns if he happens to fall or whatever. But I think across the board, the Packers just have more guys at more positions. Because when, when you get past that one guy, there's just always a big drop-off. Everson Griffin was 8.43% last year. That's that's Nick Perry numbers. That's straight trash, bruh. Sheldon Richardson last year was at 10.7%, but again, he's gone. Linval Joseph, for, for all the, the good that he does against the run, dude, <laughs> 4.96%. That is, that is pure garbage. That's horrible. They don't have any interior pass rush. Just none. I mean, Akeem Hicks, I think, is at like 10, which is, is solid. Kenny Clark, 11.3. Mike Daniels, 13.7. I mean, Mike Daniels has has um, Daniil Hunter numbers. He has Trey Flower numbers. That's just Mike Daniels. And then you have Kenny Clark, who has 11%. Then you have Zadarius, who has 12%. And then you have Preston, who has 12%. Again, I'm just saying across the board... I would say, again, as crazy as it sounds, because look, certain teams just have that anger and, and tenacity, and it would be nice to see the Packers just play more consistent, dominant football. And that's sort of what makes a defense good, too. It's not just the on occasion. You know, the the Packers are sort of Kyler Fackrell in a nutshell. They, they've got explosive talent that you'll see on occasion, like that that crazy play, that great pick, the great pass deflection, the great sack, the the all you know these these things at times but then they just kind of fall apart too i think what makes some of these teams like the vikings really great is the fact that they are just consistently awesome the bears were consistently awesome 
the Packers need more consistency, but just talent across the board and potential. Packers, if they can just stay healthy, I, I don't think it's me being biased or outlandish to just tell you information and say, look, if I had to choose between Zadarius at 12, uh, Kenny at 11, Daniels at 13, Preston at 12, and even, you know, Dean Lowry at 7.8, which isn't great, but I mean, just looking at straight up numbers, if you look at all the defensive interior guys, as far as pressures, the most pressures was from Akeem Hicks, which again, we're talking about percentages, and remember Kenny Clark and these guys were all injured. He had the most uh, attempts of anybody. Then was Sheldon Richardson, who's no longer in the NFC North. Then you have Kenny Clark, then Mike Daniels, then Dean Lowry. By the way, Mike Daniels, number four in the division. Remember how little he played? Guy was hurt, man. So anyways, all that to say, and, you know, maybe I'm over-explaining it. I just, I just know how crazy it sounds to say I don't think the Vikings' defensive line is all that good. I don't think the Vikings' defense is necessarily all that good. I think they are a tenacious and aggressive and disciplined defense, which is going to you know, cover up a lot of the flaws. So just bear that in mind when everybody starts trash. Oh, I thought they weren't a good defense. What happened? But I just think they're going to have to overcome a lot because I don't see a lot of talent here. Again, Daniil Hunter is a talented dude. Outside of that, Linval Joseph is straight trash as far as a pass rusher. Everson Griffin was is, you know, Nick Perry. And they don't really have an I mean, they have bodies, but they don't really have another defensive tackle. As far as their corners, I've been trashing their corners since forever. Same with Barr and Kendricks. When everybody else is talking about how great they are, it's like, eh, not really. I just don't think they're that good. Trey Waynes was taken very, very early. There was high expectations, and for good reason, he's never been very good. He just hasn't. Xavier Rhodes, same thing. Everybody treats Xavier Rhodes like he's something special. He's just not. I mean, 2016, 2017, he graded out as good. 2013, average. 2014, average. 2015, average. 2018, below average. It was the worst year ever. The only real hope that they have outside of, you know, Waynes and Rhodes having an above average year is the fact that, number one, Mackenzie Alexander, their slot guy, made a massive leap. Now, we'll have to see what happens. You know, sometimes guys take third-year leaps, and then all of a sudden they're pretty solid. But we'll have to see, because 2016, he was hot garbage. 2017, he was below average. 2018, he was borderline very good. The only other thing that they're hanging on to, and maybe rightly so, is Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes was seen as a very good uh, cornerback. He started the season looking pretty good, but then he fell off, and then he got hurt. Well, Vikings fans are looking at it going, he was a stud, and then he got hurt, and they forget that one part where, for several weeks, he just kind of trailed off and wasn't very good anymore. But either way, he's got some time. Um, he's hope. Well, not, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess hopefully, right? I'm not going to hope that guys get hurt so that we win the division. That's not how I want to win it. I want to win it because we're a better football team. So, yes, hopefully Mike Hughes is healthy and just, you know, isn't very good at football. I'm not going to sit here and wish injuries on people and stuff. But then you've got the linebackers. You have Barr, who, granted, is pretty solid against the run, not a very good cover guy. He's a versatile piece. The Vikings like him. The Vikings know how to use him. But he's not an elite piece. He's absolutely not better than Blake Martinez. Maybe in different capacities, I'm not really sure. Certain things he's better at, certain things he's not as good at. But, I mean, he's, he's Blake Martinez. And the only reason I praise Blake Martinez and trash Anthony Barr is because everyone sees Anthony Barr as elite and Blake Martinez is like this low-level, easily replaceable guy, especially outside of Green Bay. And I think that's just garbage. I think Barr is on a good defense and, and Martinez is on a bad defense. And everybody sees Packers and says, well, he's terrible. And they see the Vikings and think he's great. And same thing with Eric Hendricks. And by the way, if I said Lance Kendricks when I meant Eric Hendricks, I apologize. Because I feel like at some point I probably said Lance Kendricks. I don't know. But either way, Eric Kendricks. That's another guy that people are like, oh man, Kendricks and Barr. Kendricks has never been good. Ever. Never. 2015, he was below average. 2016, average. 2017, average. 2018, average. And by the way, he's been trending downwards since 2016. 68, 66, 64. That's Eric Kendricks. So to recap, they have a good pass rusher. They have Linval Joseph, who's kind of a big, you know, run defender in the middle, but he can't get after the passer. Everson Griffin is, he's got some weird stuff going on in his brain. I think the Vikings were looking to trade him. I just saw, I think it was Griffin. I don't think it was Hunter. They tried to trade Griffin for an offensive lineman and it fell through. So the Vikings are trying to get rid of him. The rumors are getting out. Guy with a little mental instability hearing rumors that they're trying to get rid of him. Probably not the best thing. And he's not that good anyways. You've got some volatility at best at cornerback. You have, don't have any good uh, linebackers. But then we come to safety and they got something there. Harrison Smith is a good safety. I'm not going to lie about that. 
four out of his uh, seven years have been very good to elite. He is their strong safety. He's a very, very talented guy. Now, they did lose Sendejo, but they've got a guy by the name of Anthony Harris. Now, this is one where I don't exactly know what the situation is, but I don't exactly think it's a fluke. He might regress a little bit, but he was graded last year as the number three safety in the NFL. Given the Vikings' you know, abilities on defense, it's not all that surprising that a guy could become that. They did let Andrew Sandeo and Iloka leave, meaning maybe they seemingly they believe Anthony Harris can handle the responsibilities. And it doesn't seem super flukish because really he's only had one bad year in 2016, and for all I know he was injured that year, meaning he's had two good years and one elite year this last year. So the safeties are uh, something that they have to to kind of build around. And look, they, and this is where it gets interesting because you look at it and go, ha-ha, Vikings are not that good and we should be able to beat them, but... And we haven't even got to offense yet, but if we just focus on defense and add a couple things, this could be a good defense, right? Like with the Bears, you look at it and say, okay, this is what they are and this is what they're going to be. They have a good defense, but we'll see if they regress a little bit. We'll see what happens with their new defensive coordinator and Pagano. We'll see. The offense, not very good. No real reason to expect it to be good. We'll see what happens, but they're not going to add anything. The, the Vikings defense sort of reminds me of the Packers defense in that it's, we've got some pieces here. And if guys do grow, if Rhodes, again, has a decent year, if uh, Waynes has a decent year, if Alexander, like their Alexander, just like our Alexander, can stay awesome, you know, if Griffin can have an up year, maybe we'll add a pass rusher. I don't think that's completely, you know, obviously everyone's thinking the Vikings are going to take offensive line, and they probably will if that opportunity is available. But also keep in mind, they're probably not going to get a tackle kind of jumping around a little bit, but you, well, I guess we'll kind of transition into offense a little bit. They have Riley Reef at left tackle, who's not elite, but I think he's good enough. They just drafted Brian O'Neill, who was not very good, but it was his first year, so there's probably some expectation. I mean, you're not going to replace him after one year. I don't think. Maybe they will. I don't know. So really, it's just interior offensive line, and I don't think they're going to super reach. So if you got a bunch of, you know, I, I don't know who exactly they would value as a good guard at that position, but maybe they have one guy that they're looking at saying, if this guy's available, we're going to take him. And if he goes before the Vikings pick, they're not going to take him. So maybe they end up getting a guy like Cleveland Furl. Maybe they get a Jerry Tillery or a Christian Wilkins. I mean, and if you think about it, you look at it and say, well, that's dumb. They're not going to do that. They, they're going to go offense. Well, based on everything I just said, doesn't that scare you more than you know, reaching on a, a center, getting a guy like McCoy, who's a, you know, early second round prospect? Of course it does. If if they get, and, and, you know, they did go out and get Sheldon Richardson last year, they let him walk. It's not, it wouldn't be that surprising if they get Christian Wilkins to replace him. A guy that you put next to Linval Joseph, who is a pass rushing interior guy. And it's one of those things that in the NFC North, if I'm looking at it from the Viking standpoint and saying, what can we do? to be dominant how, how can we beat the Packers right if they're doing essentially to us what I'm doing to them right now and I'm trying to play for the Vikings I'm going to go out and I'm probably going to get a pass rusher because we have one and if we can compliment Hunter it goes from ha ha you just have one to oh shoot they've got another one and as we know when you get better rushing the passer it helps you against um, you know it helps out your corners it helps out your linebackers it helps out everything so if I'm the Vikings I mean listen again if the the best player on your board is a guard or a center, you got to go that route. If it's if it's even, if if it's you know we've got a 9.0 grade on a guard and a 9.0 grade on Cleveland Furl. Jeez, ah, I don't even know what I do in that situation. Actually, I I still might go Cleveland Furl, even though everyone would freak out. I don't know. It, it it entirely depends on your what you think about Cleveland Furl or Christian Wilkins. Do you think that these guys can be? You know, using my percentages, can they be 12% type guys? Can they be 8 to 10 sack guys? If so, I you might just have to take them. If they're just solid football players that are better against the run but can also help a little bit with the... Nah, forget that. We'll just we'll take the guard. Secondarily, if a guy like Byron Murphy or a guy like Greedy is there, if you believe that that can be... You know, that's another area where, as a Packer fan, I'm looking at it going, ah, shoot. Because let's look at it for a second. If we're talking about how the Vikings are going to play the Packers one-on-one... You might take a guy like Xavier Rhodes and put him on Devontae Adams. That's a super big mismatch. But we've got Harris, that really good safety, that can help double him. And we've heard Mike Pettin, I think, talk about that, where it's not always about putting your number one on the best. Sometimes it's about putting your number two on the best and using some safety help 
Then you have a double team on their best guy, you've got our number one on their second guy, and they just don't have anybody open. Well, what if they do that to us and we don't have that second wide receiver? Or if we have a decent second wide receiver, but they've got Byron Murphy, who's a, a freakish lockdown guy, taking away whoever it is we have. Right? Suddenly it's like, oh, shoot. Right now they probably can't do that because if, if we have any talent at wide receiver whatsoever, they can probably do decent against Trey Waynes. I mean, the guys we have now would probably do a decent enough job against Trey Waynes. Not dominate him necessarily because we don't have dominant wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams, but they would win. But if they add another corner, they, so, so you get what I'm saying, right? They, they're a defense that I'm not super scared of. They're not this monstrous elite defense. They're good. Again, very good safeties, a very good pass rusher, talented enough corners, talented enough linebackers, but they're they're good to the point where a couple pieces can really kind of make this thing go again. And I've talked about that before where I advocate for sticking to your identity and the, the Vikings drafting some defensive players would help them stick to their identity. Don't get too far away from it like the Bears did going offense, 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 and suddenly it's just like it's not working. And then as soon as they decide to dra- or just happen to draft some really good defensive players, they're a good football team again because Monsters of the Midway is and always will be their identity. The Purple People Eaters will always be the Vikings' identity. I don't know why that seems to be the case, but it is. Same with the Packers. Fix the defense, but don't ever try to make that your identity. It's just never going to work. We are an offensive football team. That's just the way it is. Lions, I'm assuming, are offensive, but I don't know what a good Lions team looks like, so I I couldn't tell you. But you figure Megatron, Barry Sanders, it's got to be offense, right? And the Vikings do have some some decent draft picks, as I said. They got an 18th overall pick is relatively high. That's that's in that Byron Murphy range. It's in the Cleveland Furl range. Um, I'm assuming... Ed Oliver is not going to be there. I'm assuming, you know, uh, the, the the top pass rushers outside of Cleveland probably aren't going to be there. Montez is going to be gone. Burns is going to be gone. Uh, obviously, Allen and Bosa are going to be gone. But again, the, the defensive tackle talent is going to be there. And, you know, you get a Jerry Tillery or a Christian Wilkins, these guys that are really good pass rushers. I don't know if Tillery is, is what you want at 18, but uh, definitely some talent there. So they got pick 18, pick 50 in the second round. It is nice that we're just a couple picks ahead of them. Uh, they got a third round, a fourth round, no fifth, two sixths, and two sevenths. So not super crazy elite, but they, they have more than enough picks if they can do a good job with their draft picks, just like pretty much every team. But if you can maximize your picks you know, in the first four rounds, which in my opinion are kind of the money rounds where you can get instant impact players, that, that's just sort of my opinion, one through four, depending on the position. You know, Running back, you can get all the way to sixth, as we've seen. Offensive line, maybe with guard and center and whatnot. Whatever, right? Fullback. But I think the first four rounds, outside of maybe uh, quarterback and offensive tackle, Bakhtiari excluded, you can really hit on some positions. You can get good corners. You can get good safeties. You can get good wide receivers. You can get good linebackers. And this is a team where, you know, I don't think they're four players away from being pretty dominant again. If, if they, you know, it's, again, it's very similar to the Packers in that they're just a couple pieces away. If Pat Elfline, their center, can step up and be the guy they want him to be, that early round guy when they took him, I think in the second round, maybe it was third, I don't know. But he was expected to be one of the top guys. If he can step up and O'Neill can step up, and there's, there's reasonable expectation, right? These are guys with just one year under their belt. So suddenly they have a line similar to the Packers, except nowhere near. It's more like the Bears, actually. But you've got the left tackle, you got the right tackle, you got the center. We draft a guard, and then what do we have? We got pretty much every position and a subpar guard. We've got Adam Thielen, who, by the way, it's kind of funny. It's it's hard to tell because I looked at it and I was like, is this a fluke or is this guy for real? If you look at PFF with, with Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen next to each other, it is nearly identical. It is almost the exact same thing. He was, you know, not very good for like two years. Although he's a little better than Devontae. I mean, pretty much, it, it, I hate to say it, but it's basically if you take Devontae Adams and, like, up it a little bit, that's Adam Thielen. Now, he was okay in 2014. He was okay in 2015. He took a big step in 2016. He took another step in 2017. And then in 2018, he was elite. And, yes, he did grade out higher than Devontae Adams. We can get mad about that if we want. But, I mean, come on. The guy was dominant. Look at his stats. There's... the. I mean, there's no reason to argue about it. Adam Thielen's a freakish guy, and the, the bottom line is I don't think that this is a fluke. And obviously I'm not afraid to say when I think it's a fluke, he just he just keeps getting better, right? It was a third-year jump. All of a sudden he just kind of, you know, he got it. And then um, 
you know, he's just been getting better ever since, and now he's he's just a dominant player. And, the, you know, the Vikings are looking to get him a, a contract extension and a pay bump, which I don't know how they're going to do that with $2 million in the bank. Well, not in the bank, but salary capital, whatever. But, uh, I, no, I think it's for real. So they, so they got Thielen. They've got Diggs, who I know got overshadowed by Thielen, but he's just a, he's just a solid player, man. I mean, I, I really, really like Stephon Diggs. I don't like that he's a Viking, but there, there's a couple players around the league that it's just there's something about him. You know, it's kind of how I felt about uh, DeAndre Hopkins before it just became kind of unanimous that he was maybe the best in the NFL. I remember watching him and just thinking, this guy's special, man. That's kind of how I felt about Stephon Diggs. Um, Not elite. He's been pretty steady, you know, sitting around 80 as far as his PFF grade. Uh, Top 20 receiver. But he's good. There's no question he's a good receiver. So if the offensive line can improve, Cousins, as much as I trash him because he's overpaid, he's decent. Right? He was graded as the top 15 quarterback which is middle of the road, but that's fine. He shouldn't be getting paid like a top five quarterback, but I don't care. That doesn't ultimately matter when the game time comes. It's just a matter of how good you are. Um, Cook, their running back, as much as I said, you know, I think it was yesterday, the day before, I wasn't overly impressed with him. I knew he was going to have a bad three cone because the guy just has stone feet, but he does have talent. He's got some breakaway speed. Um, You know, if you just go watch him in college, he was a scary guy. So as far as offense, you know, again, Maybe grab a tight end as much as, again, Vikings fans will hate that because they've been saying Kyle Rudolph is elite. That's another guy who just gets way overhyped. Kyle Rudolph has never been that good. Kyle Rudolph is basically what Jermichael Finley was for us. A lot of people want to talk about how elite he was. He was never that good. It was every single year what we talked about was potential. Like, this is going to be the year, man. He's so athletic. It's going to be great. He was just never that good. He's dropping it all the time. It's just like, come on, man. He never really hit that potential, and that's kind of how Kyle Rudolph is. Everyone talks about his potential. He had one good year, and it was his rookie year. I know, stats, he's had whatever. I don't care. He's overhyped, and he's he's easily on the downswing of his career. I think he had his worst year ever last year. But as far as how do we fix this, and look, if, 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 if a guy like Hawkinson, which I know seems impossible, but I don't know that it is, if he were to be there at 18, yeah. Or Noah Fant, that's another option. I don't think it's the best option. I think offensive line or pass rusher would make more sense. Or linebacker if, if uh, Devin Bush falls. But you figure grab a corner, linebacker, interior pass rusher, exterior pass rusher, offensive line, tight end. These are these are big steps. I mean, how much better is this team if they end up getting, uh, you know, say they draft Christian Wilkins, who is a solid interior pass rusher, and then in the next round they get a solid guard. You know, in the third round they get... Uh, Jermaine Pratt or something at linebacker. I, I don't know. Basically what I'm saying, and, and listen, the Packers have a draft too, and that's what I want to talk about next. The Packers have a draft too, but I, I guess as, as I'm analyzing it right now, if the Packers and the Vikings were to play right now, honestly, I think the Packers are the better team. We have a better offensive line. We have a better running back. We have a better quarterback. They have better wide receivers. Fine. Advantage Packers. Who has better corners? Meh. I don't know. It's a toss-up. Who has a better front? The Packers do. Who has better linebackers? Yeah, probably the Vikings, but only because Kendricks is a average linebacker and we just don't have anybody next to Martinez right now. Who has better safeties? Easily the Vikings. I would say with that, especially given that it is a quarterback-driven and offensive-driven league, if they don't have the defensive capabilities of stopping the Packers' offense, and I don't think they do, that's assuming... Listen, could they do it last year? Of course, everybody could stop the Packers last year because it was dysfunctional. But I'm not talking about last year. Again, get out of the recency bias stuff. Take it for what it is. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, a very good running back, a a pretty solid offensive line, as well as some potential at wide receiver and tight end. Not elite, but something there. This defense for the Vikings isn't capable of stopping that. I mean, not just, not outright. This isn't the 2017 Vikings. It just isn't. I mean, it's not even the 2018 Vikings, which is nowhere near as good as the 2017 Vikings. They're worse than they were last year, and last year they were worse than they were in 2017. Now, looking at the draft from the Packers' perspective against this Minnesota Vikings defense, what is it that's going to help us the most here? I think the biggest thing, and you can go a lot of different directions, but as I said, one of the things, and and really what I'm trying to do is, if I'm the Vikings' defense, how do I stop the Packers? I try to figure that out and then say, okay, how do we counter in the draft? Well, I think, first of all, you know, just look, addressing the run real quick, one of the real benefits, I think, of this outside zone, and there, there's going to be a mix of all kinds of stuff. It's not like we're going to do one thing where it's like, just run to the outside all the time. That's not what's going to happen. But the nice thing about it is when you have a guy like Linval Joseph, who's pretty good in the middle, 
and you're constantly trying to stretch this thing to the outside, and you have guys like Linval Joseph trying to get on his horse and get to the outside. And you've got a guy like Hunter, who's a pretty good pass rusher, but is not nearly as good against the run. He's not inept, but that's not his strength. And you pull to that side. Essentially, it, it becomes a matter of, can you get guys like Mercedes Lewis, can you get guards up to that next level to, to stop guys like Anthony Barr and Kendricks? So, I, you know, I, I could look at it and say, well, Linval Joseph is pretty tough, and Barr is pretty decent, and they got that strong safety in, in Harrison Smith. Maybe we should try to bolster that. And, yeah, getting a guard and, and maybe getting a, a tight end, you know, TJ Hawkinson, get a tight end that's really good at blocking. That's an area where you could absolutely see some benefit. I think we'll be okay. I don't think that's an area where they necessarily dominate us, although it's, it's going to be tough to run against the Vikings. they got a pretty solid front. They've got Barr, who's a decent run blocker. they got uh, Harrison Smith, who's a very good strong safety. But I think we'll be able to run. The bigger concern that I have is the fact that they've got Mackenzie Alexander in the slot, who's pretty solid. They have the ability, again, like I said, to put Harrison and Rhodes in double team, or Kendricks and, and Rhodes, or whatever double team they want to utilize against Adams. And although that's not going to 100% take anything away, let's just say that it more or less does. What that leaves us with is they have Trey Waynes. And again, and, and maybe it won't be Trey Waynes. Again, it, it entirely depends on how good Hughes is. If Hughes ends up being the number one guy, then it could be Trey Waynes and um, Trey Waynes and Anthony Harris. And then, uh, man, I can never remember that guy's name. Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes is his name. Mike Hughes on our other wide receiver. In other words, what I'm getting at is a wide receiver would be helpful. Now, the the weird thing about this is typically what I'm looking at is a slot guy. Now, if we get a slot guy, that's good because it'll be going up against Mackenzie Alexander, and hopefully he can kind of handle that. But the problem is all we're really doing is getting a guy that's up to Alexander's level. I mean, obviously, if we get an elite guy, he's better than Alexander. But I'm trying to exploit one of their weaknesses, and their weakness is going to be at the other cornerback, the outside guy, Mike Hughes. At least I'm assuming that's an area where we can exploit him. If you want to exploit Mike Hughes, you got to get an outside boundary wide receiver, not exactly a slot guy. Now, the, the cool thing is, if we get a guy like Nikhil Harry, or even A.J. Brown for that matter, a lot of people think they can win on the outside, especially Nikhil. So this could be a situation where if you're us- utilizing, let's just say, well, it, it doesn't have to be, but if you are utilizing a two-wide receiver set, you can just put Nikhil on the outside. And you, I mean, and that's the thing, you can, you can utilize different things in different ways. They talked about Devontae Adams playing a lot in the slot. It's one of those things where you just try to get him out of what they're doing. And if you get a guy like Nikhil Harry, who's also versatile, you put Adams in the slot, you put Nikhil on the outside, well, suddenly there's a lot of attention to that side of the field. The other really cool thing about that is it isolates um, Harrison Smith. So again, remember, Adams is in the slot. He's going up against Alexander, so that's advantage Packers. Nikhil Harry is better than the cornerback across from him, but they've got safety help. The question is, do they want to utilize the safety help or not? If they don't, it's advantage Packers again. If they do, the problem is you, you now have a free safety who's not really operating as much as a safety. Meaning they have to, what do they do with their other safety? What does Harrison Smith do? If he wants to play back, just in case, you know, we've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the other side, which I think you should, because if you bring Harrison Smith up close, Marquez over the top is going to destroy you because Trey Waynes just probably isn't going to be able to run with him, or whoever. But if you leave him back, and you got one safety cheating over to the left and kind of, you know, getting in position to, to help double up on either Devontae or Nikhil Harry or however they're going to utilize him, and you got Harrison Smith kind of playing back just in case, you know, he, does, he wants to make sure that Marquez doesn't take the top off of it. Well, the problem now for the Vikings is Aaron Jones is just going to destroy you. We're forcing their strong safety to get back a little bit. That's given Aaron Jones a lot of breathing room. So the, the benefit of just adding one more wide receiver, even if it's a slot guy, but, but a slot guy that's versatile and big enough to be able to play on the outside, again, like a Nikhil Harry, I think could be beneficial because you look at him in the slot and you look at what I said about the Bears and it's like, well, if we had a slot guy, that would be beneficial. In this game, not quite as much because they've got a pretty decent slot corner, but we can mix that up. Again, swap Adams and Nikhil, put Nikhil on the outside, put Adams on the inside. It's advantage Packers at two positions at once. It's also advantage Packers in, in the event that you've got Smith who has to account for two guys. He has to account for the running back and he has to account for uh, Marquez, not even necessarily because he's a freakish athlete or a great wide receiver, but because he's just really fast. It's one of those things you don't want to have to dedicate a safety to that because it's it's not that he's that good. It's just a matter of if he just runs really fast in a straight line and there's no safety back there, it's a touchdown. To elaborate a little further, if Smith is out of the equation, the linebackers now become the pivot point because we also have tight ends. 
So it's it's just it's just a lot for the defense to account for, and it's you know they can move their pieces around. But where do you do you want to take your safety away from that side of the field and let him play deep and let Smith come up? If we start killing them in the run game, that might be what they have to do. Smith needs to help in the run game. Well, if Smith is helping in the run game, then they have to have a single high free safety. Well, that means that you have got these two corners who aren't very good who are trying to stop Nikhil Harry and Devontae Adams. That's not going to happen, ever. So, yes, adding a wide receiver and, and not again, not just a slot guy. We do need a slot guy. I think that would be most bang for our buck overall. But if we ended up getting a guy, even like a Hakeem Butler, or if we did something crazy, got like a Hollywood Brown or whatever, this is the kind of game where you look at it and go, oh, that's going to help a lot because they don't have the guys on the outside. And if we have two guys on the outside, they are in just double the amount of, amount of trouble. And look, we, we you know we could end up getting a Hunter or a uh, yeah Hunter Renfro at the in the later rounds. There's there's slot guys that can be later round guys. So just looking at offense, adding you know adding a tight end would be kind of nice. I would I would hope that we can just get a little bit more because I don't think we need that much more. If we can just get Jimmy Graham back to kind of what he was with Seattle, get Mercedes back to what he was with Jacksonville, I think we're okay. I'm not saying don't draft because we still need to draft for the future, but you know, again, I'd I'd rather go for like the Jay Sternberger in the third round than the T.J. Hawkinson in the first round, just as far as bang for your buck. And not that T.J. Hawkinson isn't a great value, but I'm a little worried about the bust potential of early round tight ends. And you also have to recognize that that means we're not getting somebody else at 12. So it's not just in a vacuum T.J. Hawkinson versus Jay Sternberger. We're talking, would you rather have T.J. Hawkinson or Jay Sternberger and whatever fill in the blank with whoever it is you like montez sweat devin bush whatever so anyways uh, i'm gonna pause here for just a moment and then uh, i want to talk about the packers defense against the vikings offense and what we can do to really help to bolster that a little bit hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So as it is right now, I've kind of talked already about the Vikings offense, right? They've got a mediocre quarterback not very good running back, not very good offensive line, and two really good wide receivers. I think if we were just playing the Vikings, I'd be looking at this saying, I don't really want to add anyone else up front. We can if we want to be even more dominant. If you look at it and say, what if we got an Ed Oliver? Against this, I mean, it would just be an absolute nonstop feast. Which maybe I'll just retract my initial statement. Because that in and of itself can be enough to just completely dominate a team. We've seen that with the Packers, where you, you just, you can't get the offense going and you're done. If we had by chance, a Brian Burns on the outside, and, and you, you know, let's just say, for example, the, the benefit of a guy like Brian Burns, especially against this team, is the rotational ability. You can have Brian Burns and Zadarius Smith as your primary guys all the time. Brian Burns on the, the, the blind side going up against Riley Reef. Brian Burns is just going to terrorize. Uh, next to him, you have Mike Daniels, so you know uh, there's, there's just, and that's the other thing, who in the world are you going to double team? That's already the issue. But who in the world are you planning on double teaming? If you're going to bring some help with your fullback ham or with Rudolph, your tight end, where are you going to put him? Are you really going to bring him over to the left side to help with Brian Burns? And you're just going to leave Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Zadarius Smith, and you're just not going to worry about them? You're going to try to double? I, I, please do that. Are you, I mean, are you just going to utilize your running back to keep him in to help block because Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are just terrorizing on the inside? But then, of course, there's the ability to rotate. Zadarius Smith can kick inside, and then what do you have? You have Preston Smith and Brian Burns on the outside, and you have Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Zadarius Smith as your defensive interior. I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous, man. And it, 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 it also goes to the ability of the Packers to go from maybe the best defensive front to, I dare you to say we're not the best defensive front. And it, it, even with the assumption that maybe we don't have anybody as good as any of the number ones on any any of the other three teams. We might not have a guy that's as good of a pass rusher as Trey Flowers, as Khalil Mack, as Daniil Hunter. That's fine. We've got guys that are, you know, our number two is better than every other number two. Our three defensive interior guys are better than any of anybody else's defensive interior guys. So as a front, it's not even close. So that, I mean, you just think about the impact of that in general and what that can do, especially against the Vikings, but really against anybody. 
I don't, I don't care how good your offensive line is. If, if, if it can come from anywhere at any time, and that doesn't even include the ability to rush a linebacker, the ability to bring Alexander, the, the ability to bring you know uh, Amos, safety, corner, linebacker, outside linebacker, inside, you know, defensive interior. Anybody at any time can come after you, and they can get to you, and they will. Again, Mike Pettin was good at this last year. We just got everybody hurt, and we didn't have any outside linebacker. But he was still able to find ways to dial up pressure, especially those corner blitzes. It's just, uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, you don't have enough people to stop us. It doesn't matter. You, you can put a tight end wherever you want him. It doesn't make any sense, because we don't have that Khalil Mack. We don't have that one guy that you have to account for, where if you just double-team him, or we'll just run to the other side, right? We'll just roll out. That's the, that's the other thing. Put Khalil Mack on the blind side. Fine, we're going to bring a tight end and David Bakhtiari. And if Aaron Rodgers needs to scramble to his right, or maybe we'll just design a play that kind of rolls out to the right. We just want to stay away from him. And if you can just mitigate that one guy, then it takes away. I, I, you know, What I'm saying is I would rather have the Packers situation than have one elite guy. So I, 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 I again, I'll retract my initial statement and say that that would be a massive benefit. Well, either a outside guy could be Montez Sweat or Brian Burns, or an inside guy. Now, if you want to get super crazy with this, and I don't think the Packers are going to do this, but I mean, I'm just talking about domination station, Brian Burns and, well, let's do this. Brian Burns, Nikhil Harry, and then Draymond Jones as our first three picks. So Nikhil Harry does what he does to help the offense. We get an upgrade as a pass rusher at outside linebacker and an upgrade as a pass rusher on the defensive interior because that's pretty much what Draymond Jones is. He's just a penetrator. So that would be kind of crazy. But it, but beyond that, I think one of the biggest problems that we're going to have, specifically tailored to the Vikings, and I'm not super worried about, and I'm, I'm not, you know, again, that little mini mock draft I did was just looking at the Vikings. I'm not as worried about their ability to run the ball or our need at linebacker. Not Now, we still need to get one because I don't necessarily trust Oren Burks. But I think this is, if again, if we're just playing the Vikings all year, I might wait till the third or fourth round to get another linebacker because I just need another guy and I'm going to trust Martinez because, again, they don't have super great tight ends. And even if you're worried about Rudolph, we have Adrian Amos who can handle that. They don't have a super great running back in Cook. And they even if they did, they don't have a good enough offensive line to block for him. So, again, a late-round guy would be fine. The bigger issue, though, as far as their ability to attack us is these wide receivers. And I know we don't like talking about cornerback, but the fact of the matter is their wide receivers are better than our corners. I think uh, Adam Thielen is going to win against Alexander. I think Stephon Diggs is going to win against King. And you can mix and match any which way you want. I just think their wide receivers are better across the board than our corners. So if we were to, again, just do a Vikings draft, it might behoove us to consider a guy like Byron Murphy as well as a safety. So perhaps something along the lines of getting, you know, Ed Oliver if he were to fall. Whoever's there. It, It doesn't matter. Whatever in your mind makes it to 12. Oliver, Sweat, Burns, and, you know, if you're one of those people saying nobody's going to, somebody has to make it, man. There's going to be at least two quarterbacks. You know, Josh Allen, Quinn and Williams, um, the, the other, Bosa. If you're saying Sweat and Burns and Oliver are all gone, and you also have to account for uh, at least one, maybe two offensive linemen, probably just one, uh, you got the two linebackers. I mean, I suppose we're talking worst-case scenario. That's exactly who goes. And then we don't have fine, whatever. Because I think I just accounted for 11 people. But pick a pass rusher or a defensive interior guy with 12. Then maybe get a corner at 30. Might have to move up a little bit to get greedy. Because, again, I know he's supposed to go real early. And before Byron Murphy, I just don't buy it. I think Byron's going to go in the teens. I think Greedy's probably going to go in the 20s, mid to late 20s, possibly. Because I just don't think he's all that great. Although he has the characteristics that some team might really love him and take him at 18 or something. I don't know. Which, the Vikings are at 18. But whatever, in that range. So maybe we got to bump up a little bit. I don't care. But then at 44, maybe getting like a Taylor Rapp or a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or whoever ends up being there. I think if I were to do a Vikings draft, that might be kind of what I'm looking at. Either way, I, I really like our chances. And if, you know, if, if our corners can take a step, if Josh Jackson can take a step, if Kevin King can play up to his potential because his ceiling is just ridiculous, if Alexander can take a step, that's really going to help. Because, it, you know, it's not just a matter of you're better, so they're just going to win all the time. They're going to win on occasion. But the, the question is, what's going to happen? What's going to be the final result? And if we have another safety next to Amos, and we are able to bring consistent pressure on the Vikings and take away their run, and mitigate the damage they do with tight ends, and bring 
constant pressure to have, you know, Cousins, who is a mediocre quarterback, you know, on his back, getting hit, getting pressured, getting sacked, getting all these different, you know, constant fear in his mind. I think at the end of the day, the Packers offense is going to be able to stay a step ahead of the Vikings defense or the, well, the Vikings offense, both technically. I'm not calling it open and shut, just like same with the Bears, I'm not calling it open and shut, especially considering the Vikings are also going to be drafting and have the potential to add some talent. And I think it's going to be a good matchup between the two teams. But I really think the the most, the biggest imbalance right now is the Packers defensive front and the ability to rush the passer and the Vikings inability to stop it. And again, maybe just doubling down on that is going to be the, the best option. Maybe just saying we're going to get even better. We're going to get a true pass rusher. You know, again, Zadarius and Preston are both good at it. We're going to get great at it. Or getting that interior pass rush guy, which I wouldn't be shocked at all because, as I've said before, um, Mike Pettin really, really, really wants another defensive tackle. We've we've talked to more guys. We tried to sign Muhammad Wilkerson, all that, and now we get into a draft that is just stacked with defensive talents, and we have two first round picks, and we're not going to take one. I don't know. So I don't. I, I don't know, man. That that could just be the the pivot point where we just terrorize the Vikings, and that's how we end up winning that game. But I'm excited. It, it's nice to look at it and go. You know, as much as it's it was awesome to have a great offense and just say, yeah, maybe we're, we're, we can just stay a step ahead of them because they can't stop our offense, but you're just not looking at your defense and, you know, say, saying that there's nothing we can do to stop them either, so we just have to constantly stay ahead of them with Aaron Rodgers. Now I'm looking at it going, dude, we could just completely dominate this team. I mean, they're, they're going to get their licks in. Again, Adams or uh, Diggs and Thielen, they're, they're going to do a little bit of damage. But just the idea that we could have a, a defensive front that just terrorizes people. And then, you know, if we add a linebacker to just become one of those frustrating kind of defenses where you just, you can't run against this team and they're constantly coming and they just keep coming and you can't stop them. So frustrating. You know, you, you don't even have time to let routes develop because there's somebody in Cousins' face and he has to roll out and throw the ball away like what we saw Aaron Rodgers do all year. We're going to make other quarterbacks do that all year. Especially if we've got Alexander and King and Jackson that can at least hold their spot. We've got safeties that are, you know, rangy enough and, and talented enough that they're going to, you know, if he's even thinking about pulling the trigger, it's like, eh, I don't know. And when they do panic and pull the trigger, we make him pay. Blindside blitzes with Alexander running at, you know, four four two speed or whatever he ran. Just coming and blasting a guy from the backside. I'm excited, man. It's exciting to talk about it. And I, I just, I'm, I literally, I'm, I got butterflies and chills just thinking about the draft and what we can do and what this team can be, what this defense especially can be. I'm excited, man. But anyways, got to bottle up that excitement because I need to go to work. And so do you. Sitting around listening to a podcast. You got work to do. Anyways, it's Friday. Enjoy it. Hopefully this weather will turn around because it is beyond depressing. I don't even want to wake up. Don't want to go outside. It's windy and it's cold. And I have no ability to deal with cold anymore. It's like, oh, it's 45 degrees. Like two weeks ago, 45 degrees is like t-shirt weather. All of a sudden, 45 degrees and windy is like, nope, I'm not going outside today. It's either 70 or I'm not going outside. Just became an instant giant baby. Like a Floridian overnight. Anyways, enjoy your Friday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.